Welcome to the Come Follow Me read-along, an informal reading of the scripture passages that go along with the weekly study curriculum of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. With generous permission from Thomas Waymont, the BYU Religious Study Center and Deseret Book, I'll be reading today's chapters from Thomas Waymont's translation, which is titled The New Testament, A New Translation for Latter-day Saints. You may remember that last week we ended on a bit of a cliffhanger. The Apostle Paul had just been arrested and was being dragged up the stairs, so we'll read just a little bit from the end of Acts chapter 21 to get us going, and then we'll jump right into Acts chapter 22. So, uh, Acts chapter 21, verse 37, Paul was about to be led into the barracks, and he said to the officer in charge, Am I permitted to say anything to you? And he replied, Do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian who before these days started a riot and led 4,000 Sakari into the desert? But Paul answered, I am a Jew from Tarsus of Cilicia, a citizen of an important city. I ask you, permit me to speak to the people. When he had given him a chance to speak, Paul stood upon the steps and motioned with his hand to the people, and there was a profound silence. He spoke to them in the Aramaic language, saying, And then this starts Acts chapter 22. Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense that I present to you. When they heard that he spoke in Aramaic, they grew quieter. Then he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, educated with strictness under Gamaliel, according to the law of our ancestors, zealous for God, just as you are today. I persecuted this way to the point of death, binding and delivering men and women to prison, as the high priest and the entire council of elders will witness about me. I received letters from them, written to the brothers in Damascus, and I went there to arrest them and bring them to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was traveling and approaching Damascus around noon, a great light from heaven appeared suddenly and shone around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice telling me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I replied, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Those who were with me saw the light, but they did not hear the voice speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? The Lord said to me, Arise, and go to Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. But since I could not see because of the glory of that light, I was led by the hand of those with me, and I came to Damascus. A man named Ananias, a devout believer in the law and of good reputation of all the Jews, lived there. He came to me, and while standing by me said, Saul, brother, receive your sight. At that very hour I received my sight and saw him. And he said, The God of our ancestors appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth, because you will be a witness of him and of all that you have seen and heard. Now, why do you wait? Arise and be baptized and have your sins washed away while calling on his name. When I had returned to Jerusalem and while praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, Hurry and depart from Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. I replied, Lord, they knew that I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you in synagogue after synagogue. And when the blood of your witness Stephen was being poured out, 
I was standing by, and approving of it, and watching over the clothing of those who killed him. Then he said to me, Go, because I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Up to this point, they listened to the message, and then they raised their voices, saying, Take him from the earth, for he should not be permitted to live. As they shouted, they tore off their cloaks and threw dust into the air. So the commanding officer ordered Paul to be taken back into the barracks. He told them to question Paul by beating him with a whip, so that the officer might understand the reason why they were shouting at him in this manner. And as Paul was being stretched out for the lashes, Paul said to the centurion standing nearby, Is it legal to beat a Roman citizen who has not been condemned? When the centurion heard this, he went to the commanding officer and told him, saying, What are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. The commanding officer came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And Paul replied, Yes. The commanding officer responded, I purchased this citizenship with a large sum of money. But Paul responded, I was born a citizen. Then those who were intending to question him departed from him immediately, and the commanding officer was afraid, knowing that he was a Roman citizen and that he had tied him up. The next day, the officer wanted to know why he was accused by the Jews, and he untied him and ordered the chief priest and the entire Sanhedrin to gather, and he brought Paul and placed him in front of them. And now Acts chapter 23. While looking directly at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life with a clear conscience before God until this day. And the high priest, Ananias, commanded those who stood near him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is about to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting there judging according to the law, and contrary to the law you order me to be struck? Those who stood nearby said, Are you insulting God's high priest? Paul replied, I did not know, brothers, that it was the high priest, for it is written, You shall not speak evil about a ruler of my people. When Paul knew that one part were Sadducees and the other part were Pharisees, he cried out in the Sanhedrin, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. I am on trial for a hope in the resurrection of the dead. When he said this, there was a dispute between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the gathering was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor angels, nor spirit, but the Pharisees accept them all. There was a great cry, and the scribes from the group of Pharisees arose and were contending, We find nothing wrong with this man. What if a spirit or angel has spoken to him? When the contention was so great, the commanding officer was afraid that Paul would be torn apart by them, and he ordered the soldiers to go down and take him from them by force and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood by and said to him, Cheer up, for just as you have testified of me in Jerusalem, you must also testify of me in Rome. When it was day, the Jews made a plot and swore an oath between themselves not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. There were more than forty who made this oath. They went to the chief priests and elders and said, We have agreed by an oath to taste nothing until we have killed Paul. Now then, you and the Sanhedrin must inform the commanding officer to bring him to you 
as though you intended to examine him more carefully. We are ready to kill him before he comes near here. When the son of Paul's sister heard the plot, he went and entered the barracks and told Paul. Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the commanding officer, for he has a message for him. Then the centurion took him and brought him to the commanding officer and said, The prisoner named Paul asked me to bring this young man to you, because he has something to tell you. The commanding officer took him by the hand and went off privately and asked, What is it that you have to tell me? He replied, The Jews agreed to ask you to bring Paul to the Sanhedrin tomorrow, as though they intended to question him more carefully. But do not be persuaded by them, for there are more than forty of them waiting to ambush him, and they have made an oath not to eat or drink until they have killed him, and now they are ready, waiting for your approval. Then the commanding officer sent the young man away, and he ordered him, Tell no one that you have reported these things to me. Then he called two of the centurions and said, Prepare two hundred soldiers, seventy horsemen, and two hundred spearmen to go to Caesarea by nine o'clock tonight, and provide horses for Paul to ride and bring him safely to Felix the governor. He wrote a letter like this, Claudius Lysaeus to His Excellency Felix the governor. Greetings! This man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them when I came upon him with a detachment of soldiers and rescued him because I had learned that he was a Roman citizen. I wanted to know the charge for which they had accused him, so I brought him down to their Sanhedrin. I found that he was accused of questioning their law, but he had no accusation worthy of death or imprisonment. But when the plot against this man was reported to me, I sent him to you right away and ordered that his accusers tell what things they have against him. Then the soldiers took Paul, according to their orders, and brought him at night to Antipatris. On the next day, they let the horsemen go with him, and they returned to the barracks. When they came to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they also presented Paul to him. After reading the letter, he asked what province he was from, and when he learned Paul was from Cilicia, he said, I will hear your case when your accusers arrive. Then he ordered him to be held in Herod's palace. And now Acts chapter 24. After five days, the high priest Ananias went with some elders and the lawyer Tertullus, and they brought their case against Paul to the governor. When Paul had been summoned, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying, Most excellent Felix, we have had great peace because of you, and reforms are being made in this nation through your foresight. We accept this in every way and everywhere with all gratitude. But in order to not weary you longer, I ask you to briefly listen to us in your customary kindness. For we have found this man to be a plague, one who stirs up all Jews throughout the world, and he is the ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes, who tried to defile the temple, but we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to determine all these things about what we are accusing him of doing. The Jews also joined in the attack, confirming that these things were so. After the governor motioned for him to answer, Paul said, I know that you have been judge over this people for many years, and so I confidently make my defense. You are able to determine 
that it has not been more than twelve days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem, and they did not find me contending with anyone, or stirring up a crowd in the temple, or in the synagogues, or in the city. Neither can they prove to you what they are now accusing me of doing. But I declare this to you, that according to the way, which they say is a heresy, I worship the God of our ancestors, believing in everything according to the law and what is written in the prophets, having a hope in God, a hope that these men accept, that there will be a resurrection of the righteous and unrighteous. This is why I always strive to have a clear conscience toward God and all people. After several years, I came bearing offerings for the poor and to offer sacrifices, which they found me doing, purifying myself in the temple, without a crowd or disturbance. There were some Jews from Asia who should be here before you to accuse me if they have anything against me. Or these men here should relate what crime they found me guilty of when I was standing before the Sanhedrin. Unless it was this one thing that I shouted out while I stood among them, it is concerning the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you today. But Felix, having a more accurate understanding of the way, adjourned the hearing, saying, When Lysias, the commanding officer, comes down, I will judge your case. Then he ordered the centurion to guard Paul, but to permit him some freedom and not to prevent his family and friends from assisting him. After some days, Felix arrived with Drusilla, his wife, who is Jewish, and he sent for Paul and listened to his faith in Christ Jesus. While he spoke about righteousness, self-control, and the coming judgment, Felix became frightened and said, Go away for now, and when I have an opportunity, I will summon you. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would give him money, so he sent for him often and conferred with him. When two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus, and, wanting to do a favor for the Jews, Felix left Paul in prison. Now Acts chapter 25. Then three days after Festus arrived in the province, he went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea. The chief priests and leading Jews brought charges against Paul, and they encouraged Festus, asking for a favor against Paul to summon Paul to Jerusalem, because they planned an ambush to kill him while on the way. Then Festus replied that Paul would remain in Caesarea, and he intended to go there soon. He said, So let your authorities go down with me, and if there is anything wrong, they may bring charges against him. After he stayed among them for no more than eight or ten days, he went down to Caesarea, and the next day he sat on the judgment seat and ordered Paul to be summoned. When he arrived, the Jews who came down from Jerusalem stood around him, and they brought many weighty charges that they were not able to prove. Paul gave his defense. I have not sinned against the Jewish law, or the temple, or against Caesar. But Festus wanted to do a favor for the Jews, and he asked Paul, Do you want to go up to Jerusalem to be judged by me there concerning these things? But Paul replied, I am standing before the judgment seat of Caesar, where I ought to be judged. I have done nothing wrong against the Jews, as you know quite well. But if I am wrong and have done something worthy of death, I am not trying to avoid death. But if there is nothing in their charges against me, then no one can hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. Then, after speaking with his counsel, 
Festus replied, You have appealed to Caesar, and to Caesar you will go. When several days had passed, King Agrippa and Bernice went down to Caesarea and greeted Festus. When they had stayed there for many days, Festus set out the matter of Paul, saying, There is a man left in prison by Felix, concerning whom the chief priests and elders of the Jews, while I was in Jerusalem, laid out charges against and sought a sentence against him. I replied to them that it was not the custom of the Romans to hand over anyone before that person has had an opportunity to meet his accusers face to face and has made a defense concerning the charges put forth. Then, when they came here with me, I did not delay the trial, but the next day I sat on the judgment seat and summoned the man to be brought. When his accusers stood, they brought no accusation of the evil things I was expecting. But they had certain disagreements about their own religion with him, and concerning a certain Jesus who was dead, who Paul asserted was alive. Because I was undecided about how I might look into these matters, I asked if he wanted to go to Jerusalem and be tried there on these matters. But when Paul appealed to remain in custody for the decision of the emperor, I ordered that he be guarded until I could send him to Caesar. So Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to listen to this man. Festus replied, Tomorrow you will hear him. The next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with a great demonstration, and they entered the reception hall with the commanding officers and leading men of the city. And Festus gave the command, and Paul was brought in. And Festus said, King Agrippa and all who are present, you see this man about whom the entire multitude of Jews appealed to me, both at Jerusalem and here, shouting that he should not live any longer. But I found he had done nothing worthy of death, and when he appealed to Caesar, I decided to send him. But I have nothing specific to write my lord about him. Therefore, I have brought him before you all, and particularly before you, King Agrippa, so that after we have questioned him, I might have something to write about. For it seems unreasonable to me to send a prisoner without indicating the charges against him. And now Acts chapter 26. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You are permitted to speak on your own behalf. Then Paul extended his hand and spoke in his defense. Regarding all the things I am accused of by the Jews, King Agrippa, I have considered myself blessed that I am about to defend myself in front of you today, especially knowing that you are familiar with all the customs and questions relating to Jews. Therefore I ask you to listen to me patiently. All Jews know my way of life from my youth, a life that from the beginning was spent among my own people and in Jerusalem. They have known since my early life, and if they desire to testify that following the strictest sect of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. And now, because of my hope in the promise God made to our ancestors, I stand here on trial. Our twelve tribes hope to realize this promise when they serve earnestly night and day. It is for this hope that I am accused by the Jews, King Agrippa. Why is it unbelievable to any of you that God raises the dead? Indeed, it seemed to me that I should do many things opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which I did in Jerusalem. I not only imprisoned many of the saints when I received authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I gave my vote against them. In every synagogue I punished them often, and I tried to make them blaspheme, because I was so deeply angry with them, I persecuted them even in foreign cities. 
while I was doing this, as I was traveling to Damascus with authority and complete power from the chief priests, in the middle of the day, King Agrippa, I saw on the road a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who traveled with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the... Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick the prod. And I replied, Who are you, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus Christ, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you in order to appoint you as a servant and witness of the things that you have seen, and of those things about which I will appear to you. I deliver you from your people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, to receive the forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was obedient to the heavenly vision. I taught them to repent and to turn to God, to do works worthy of repentance, first while in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, to all the region of Judea also, and to the Gentiles. For this reason, the Jews seized me while in the temple, and they attempted to kill me. Therefore, to this day, I have had help from God, and so I stand witnessing both to the small and great, saying nothing except what the prophets and Moses said would come to be, that the Christ would suffer and be the first to rise from the dead, to declare the light to our people and the Gentiles. As he was relating these things in his defense, Festus spoke in a loud voice, saying, Paul, you are mad. Your considerable learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul replied, I am not mad, noble Festus, but I relate these words in truth and reason. For the king knows these things about which I am speaking boldly, for I am convinced that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. Do you believe the prophets, King Agrippa? I know that you believe. Agrippa said to Paul, Are you trying to persuade me to be a Christian in such a short time? But Paul replied, I pray to God that whether it is a short or long time, that not only you but all those who listen to me today might become even as I am, except for these chains. Then the king, the governor, and Bernice arose, and those who were sitting with them. When they had departed, they spoke to one another, saying, This man is not doing anything worthy of death or imprisonment. But Agrippa said to Festus, This man could be set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. And now Acts chapter 27. When it was determined that we would sail to Italy... They handed Paul and some other prisoners over to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. We boarded the ship from Adramitium, which was about to sail to the ports along the coasts of Asia, and went to sea accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day we came to Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and permitted him to go to his friends and to receive care. 
we departed from there, and we sailed under lee of Cyprus, because the winds were opposing. After we had sailed into the open sea off Cilicia and Pamphylia, we arrived in Myra and Lycia. There the centurion found a ship from Alexandria sailing to Italy, and we boarded it. After we sailed slowly for many days, we arrived with difficulty off Nidus, but the wind did not permit us to travel further, so we sailed under lee of Crete off Salmoni. And with difficulty we traveled along the coast of Crete, and we came to a place named Fair Havens, which was near the city of Lycia. Since some time had passed and sailing was already dangerous, because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying to them, Men, I see that the voyage is going to experience danger and great loss, not only for our cargo in the ship, but also for our lives. But the centurion was more convinced by the captain and the ship's owner than by what Paul said. Because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to set sail from there, that perhaps they might arrive in Phoenix, a harbor of Crete facing southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. The south wind blew gently, and they thought they had obtained their purpose, so they raised the anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. Not much later, a violent wind called the Eurocladon blew down from land. When the ship was caught in it, and not being able to sail into the wind, we gave up, and we were carried along by it. Then we ran under the lee of a small island named Clauda, and we were barely able to control the ship's boat. After hoisting it on board, they used supports to undergird the ship, and, fearing that they would run aground, insert us, they lowered the sea anchor, thus permitting them to be carried along. The following day, after being battered by the storm, they began unloading the cargo. On the third day, they threw the ship's gear into the sea by hand. But neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small storm was upon us, and all hope of being saved was lost for us. They were without food for many days. And then Paul stood among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me, and not set out from Crete, and thus avoided this damage and loss. And now I advise you to take courage, for there will be no loss of life, but the ship will go down. For last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and worship stood before me and said, Do not fear, Paul. You must stand in front of Caesar, and behold, God has granted you the safety of all those sailing with you. Therefore, take courage, men. I believe that it will be just as I have been told, but we must run aground on some island. When the fourteenth night arrived, as we were being pushed across the Adriatic Sea, around midnight, the sailors suspected that they were approaching land. Then they took a sounding and found it was twenty fathoms deep, and after they had sailed further, they took a sounding and found it was fifteen fathoms deep. We were afraid that we would run aground on the rocks, so they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. Then the sailors sought to flee from the ship, and as they were lowering the ship's boat into the sea, under the pretext that they were putting down anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, If these men do not remain in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut the rope of the ship's boat and let it fall away. When it began to be day, Paul encouraged them to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have continued in suspense and without food. You have eaten nothing. 
Therefore, I encourage you to take food, for it is necessary for your deliverance, for not a hair of any of your heads will be lost. After he said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all and broke it and began to eat. So they all took courage and took food themselves. We were in all 276 people on the ship. After they had eaten and were full, they lightened the ship by throwing the wheat into the sea. When it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they saw an inlet with a beach where they decided to run the ship aground, if they were able to do so. Then they threw off the anchors and left them in the sea, and at the same time they loosened the ropes that tied the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail into the wind and made for the beach. But they struck a sandbar and ran the ship aground. The bow was stuck and could not be moved, and the stern was being broken into pieces by the waves. It was the soldiers' plan to kill the prisoners so that none of them might swim away and escape. But the centurion wanted to save Paul and stop them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who were able to swim to go overboard first and make it to land. The remainder were on planks of wood or on pieces of the ship. In this way, all were brought safely to land. Finally today, Acts chapter 28. After we were safe, we learned that the island was called Malta. The local inhabitants showed us great kindness and built a fire and welcomed us all because it had started to rain and it was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of wood and placed it on the fire, a venomous snake came out because of the heat and bit his hand. When they saw the snake hanging from Paul's hand, they said to one another, Without a doubt, this man is a murderer who escaped from the sea, but justice has not permitted him to live. Then Paul shook the snake off into the fire, and he suffered no harm. But they were thinking that he was about to swell or suddenly fall down dead. After they waited for a long time and saw that nothing unusual happened to him, they changed their minds, and they said that he was a god. In that place and region, there were fields that belonged to the chief official of the island, who was named Publius. He welcomed us and treated us as guests for three days. It happened that Publius's father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul came to him, and after praying, he laid his hands on him and healed him. After this happened, the other people on the island who were ill came to him and were healed. They also honored us greatly, and as we were leaving, they put the things we needed on board. After three months, we set sail on an Alexandrian ship that had wintered on the island and had the Dioscuri on its bow. We arrived in Syracuse and stayed for three days. From there, we sailed away and arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind arose. And then, on the second day, we arrived in Puteoli. We found some brothers and sisters there, and were invited by them to remain with them for seven days. And in this manner, we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters there, when they heard about us, they came from as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. When we entered Rome, Paul was permitted to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. After three days, Paul called the leading Jews together. When they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors. I was handed over as a prisoner from Jerusalem to the Romans. When they had judged my case... 
They wanted to release me because they found no reason for a death sentence against me. But the Jews spoke against this, and I was forced to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no charge against my people. Therefore, for this reason, I have requested to see you and speak to you. It is for the hope of Israel that I am bound by this chain. They responded to him, We have not received letters about you from Judea, nor have any of the brothers come here to speak or report anything bad about you. We would like to hear from you what you think, for we know that everywhere this heresy is maligned. They planned a day to meet with him, and they came to him where he was staying in greater numbers. He testified of the kingdom of God, trying to convince them from morning until evening about Jesus from the law of Moses and the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others did not believe. As they were leaving, they disagreed with one another about one word that Paul said. The Holy Spirit spoke well through the prophet Isaiah about your ancestors, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you hear, but you do not understand, and looking you see, but you do not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, and they are slow to listen, and they have closed their eyes, so that they might not see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return that I might heal them. Therefore, know that this salvation has been sent from God to the Gentiles, and they will listen. He stayed there for two years in his own lodgings, and received all who went to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God, and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without limitation. That ends that chapter and the entire book of Acts, and that ends our reading for the week. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week.